Welcome to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson, and today we're going to be speaking with Brian Burns about the five things sales managers want from their sales reps and team members. Listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome, everyone. And before we jump into the interview today, just a quick reminder, we want to buy you a cup of coffee. Uh, In order to do that, we need you guys to fill out a feedback form that's on our website, b2brevexec.com. We want to hear from you guys about what you want to hear on the show, what we can do better to improve it. Uh, And if you've written a review for us lately, you know, let us know that you've done that as well. Uh, And if you haven't, please do. But at the end of the day, what we want is your feedback. And in order to do that, we're willing to take everybody who gives us feedback, put you in a hat once a week, pull out a name, and uh, send you a gift certificate to Starbucks for a cup of coffee on us. If you happen to be in the Denver area, we're happy to, of course, meet you in person and do that. can also make those arrangements, but really would like your feedback. So please take just a few minutes and fill out that feedback form for us. Today, we're going to be working with uh, Brian Burns again, and we're going to be tackling you know the top five things sales managers want from their sales reps. Uh, we see a lot of sales reps today struggle, not only with the way that the sales landscape is changing, but also kind of their place in an ever-changing organization. So Brian and I kind of put together the top five things we think you guys should be aware of, uh, things that you can learn from and implement in order to make you more effective in your organization, maybe give you a little bit better understanding of what your sales managers are up against. So without further ado, let's jump into the interview. We were talking earlier about, you know, what do managers really want to get out of salespeople? What do they really need? Uh, what's one of the things that you have? Um, I would say probably cooperation is one of the yeah. big ones, right? You want them to uh, to be able to actually go with the flow, right? Sales is a, is a challenging profession to begin with. Revenue executives struggle with all of the impacts that they're having on their teams. And, you know, having your reps be able to cooperate as the sales organization moves, cooperate on process changes and things like that, be willing a willing participant, I think, is is critical uh, so managers feel comfortable with the team they've got. That's it, you know, uh, because salespeople are, tend to be, you know, really independent, you know, because they, <laughs> to say the Extremely. least. Extremely. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, at least half of their income is a variable. And if that's not working, they're not happy. Oh, and no, no. when. Yeah, but managers also have, you know, the responsibility to the company about getting things done and not just deals. So, yeah, I, I agree completely. Well, Cooperation. You and, I, you and I have talked about it, too. We, we were both, I mean, as individual contributors, we were lone wolves. So I'm not, I, I could say that I probably was, was not one that fits easily into that category. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. And you can also over-cooperate, meaning. That, True. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've had some reps like that on teams. Like, it's like, okay, we're going a little bit far here. Let's get back to work. <laughs> yeah, where they they're all they care about is making their manager happy instead of their customers. Right. And you know, you know, I worked with one guy who, you know, hired his best friend. And I remember driving around Atlanta with my boss, and he called my boss no less than 5 times. <laughs> oh jeez. And I, only one of the calls was about work. 
<laughs> you know, it was all about, you know, what kind of refrigerator to buy, what kind of car should he lease it or buy it. And I was just rolling my eyes going, you know, I don't talk to anybody that much. <laughs> right. But, you know, he always got the best territory, you know, the best engineer and everything. But, you know, a good manager just wouldn't allow that. Right. But I had it for number two was performance, you know, and everyone would think, oh, performance is number one. And it's like, well, um, you know, when performance is there, it's great. But when it's not there, then you definitely need to cooperate. <laughs> <laughs> I think the guy calling about the refrigerators was trying to cooperate because I'm going to yeah. bet the performance wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the, the, you know the, uh, the bad side of performance is when it's not there, you know, what gets blamed and who takes responsibility? You know, you, know, you hear a lot of the whining about the territory, the product, the timing, um, the economy. And th those are all true, right? And maybe they're exaggerated. But I think a good rep is the one that kind of you know, owns that responsibility to making it work under the case that you're at. Well, yeah. I mean, look, sales reps are hired to, you know, move sales deals through the funnel. And so if you're, if you're not, the thing I love about sales is it's, it's black and white pretty much like you're either doing it or you're not. And it's, it shows up in your numbers. And if you're not performing, uh, then, you know, what, what are you doing? You're, you're wasting your time, the manager's time. Um, I think the sales reps that I have seen that have been the most effective are those that, that truly own the fact that they have to put up the numbers in order to do that. They have to back into the activity, right? I've seen, uh, we, I used to call it follow the money exercise. Like we'd run the reps through, okay, here, here's what you want to earn. This is, we know what the stats say on, you know, calls and prospecting and, and we know what our win percentages are, right? Do the math. It's not, it's not advanced algebra. It's not, maybe not easy, but it's not advanced algebra. Do the math back into your activity level and then do that activity consistently. So you get the, the reliable performance for the company and for the manager. And, and that's what you see. If you build those habits, you know, instead of the what I typically see, the, the quarterly roller coaster, <laughs> yeah. you know, where the first two weeks of the quarter, people are on vacation. As my manager used to say, everyone's on vacation and having babies. <laughs> and, you know, I've like, yeah, we've timed our pregnancy so that the, the birth happens the first two weeks of a quarter. That's a yeah. salesperson. <laughs> and then they have the quarterly meeting and then the you know quarterly review. And before you know it, the first month is over. And now you get two more months to go, and then the last month of the quarter, everyone panics and, and, and then tries to pull in deals. The deals get a little shady. The discounts go up. <laughs> uh, concessions yeah. are made. And, and then the cycle starts all over again. And what I always try to do is, like, let me even this out a little bit. You know, every Monday looks like every other Monday. Oh, yeah, it's the beginning of the quarter. I still have to do a lot of stuff. I'm at the quarterly meeting, but I still have to work. And, and if you can build those daily habits, that that really makes your performance more linear and then instead of luck based. Well, and I think that's the key. Right. And it's one of the things I mean, I'm, I think you and I've been around long enough that we know that sales reps back in the day always struggled with that consistency and that forming of habits. And, and today that's even a bigger challenge, I think, especially for some of the millennials that are out there because of all the distractions, the shorter attention spans, they want it now, immediate gratification. I, you know what? I haven't seen an AI solution or anything come up that's going to change the fact that that consistency of behavior, that consistency of habit is what's going to produce the results and the performance that you need. And if you don't focus on that, at the end of the day, you're
you're going to be on that roller coaster. And that's really the last thing the business wants or your manager wants. Right. And that brings back focus, which consistently is what I hear when I talk to great reps today is instead of, you know, the, the old, you know, work hard, focus seems to be coming up because there are so many distractions. I mean, you could literally spend your whole day just in LinkedIn Navigator. Oh, yeah. Not that it's a, a waste of time, but it's it, you have to do a little bit of it. But if you do too much of it, you're not doing the, what really counts. And, you know, you get this little computer in your pocket all the time, <laughs> vibrating and beeping and making all kinds of sounds that, that can really suck up your time. Powerful, but you have to have that proactive control over it. Well, it requires discipline, right? It requires a discipline. And, and I would say that, that, you know, if you throw time management in there as, a, as like a sub thing, like if you can't manage your time effectively and understand you got to block it out. I mean, look, I, I'm, I'm the biggest, one of the biggest tech guys on the planet. Some new gadget comes out. I'm all over it, right? I am that quintessential sales guy, always looking for a silver bullet, but I spend my time looking for that silver bullet on Saturday and Sunday because Monday through Friday, I've got to be hustling. I got to be selling. I got to be on, on my routine. And it's the only way to make sure that your pipeline stays consistent and predictable, which is really what your manager wants, what the business wants, right? So if you're not doing that, the emotional toll on yourself and your manager goes through the roof and and you're just not going to be as as effective especially if you can't focus and dedicate yourself to that you know predictable routine yeah definitely um number three i I had teamwork i think you know when i was a leader uh you, you do want people to be part of the company and you know sales has this kind of uh natural um uh, not aggression, but <laughs> you know, it's, the, the natural course of things is not to get an order, right? The natural <laughs> course of things is to lose a deal. And when you do get an order, everyone would like it to look pristine, right? And oh, yeah. you know, s- sign our contract, agree to our terms, pay our way on our time schedule. And what does a customer want to do? They want to pay their way on their paper <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and their time frame. And that friction, you know, the sales reps in the middle of that. And sometimes, you know, early in my career, I just, you know, would cram it down people's throat. I call up the CEO. I go, look, I got the deal. I need your help to get it booked. And, and he would do it. But then, you know, he would break a lot of eggs making that omelet, <laughs> you know, and they wouldn't blame him. No, <laughs> oh no. Me. Well, and it's always harder sometimes to sell. I, I found back when I was an individual contributor, it was harder to sell internally than it was to sell to the customers. Like the, you could almost negotiate with the customers easier than I could negotiate internally. Because, man, if you had to walk into you know chief legal officer's room and be like, "Hey, um, they want to change this term or that term," it was like calamity ensued, right? And you always, it was kind of knew that. And I think if today, especially with, you know, you see account based sales and account based marketing happening. If if a manager is really good, if a leader is really good at building in that team essence into, you know, across the sales organization, you get better results. Not only the internal team, like can your sales team work as a team, but can they work with the rest of the organization? And if a sales rep can do that, I think you're still going to have the struggles where, look, your, your CFO doesn't want to change the terms. Your CFO wants to be paid yesterday. Their CFO wants to, be paid, wants to pay you in 90 days, right? There's, <laughs> there's always going to be that. Right. But I think it's easier to overcome and address those challenges if you have that type of you know, team-based culture that has to be led, um, led by example from the sales leadership. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and if it doesn't exist, then a lot of finger pointing happens. And, and from a rep standpoint, if the order doesn't get booked or booked on time or booked correctly, it's not going to help you get your commission check. Right. right. You know, so <laughs> it's part of like what, what reps with a lone wolf thing can go too far where you have to kind of be understand that you know you don't own the company <laughs> yeah, my well, that's used a, to tell me he goes you're not running the company yet brian so <laughs> <laughs> well it's an interesting it's an interesting dichotomy because they tell you and i did the same thing when i was running teams it's like hey you need to act like you're running your own business and then that would backfire on me because right. then, then the rep, right the rep would turn around and think well i'm running I, i'm running my business so hey i need you guys to like step up come on do this okay now wait a minute maybe i went too far with that right but at the end of the day if 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 everybody is focused on one goal and that requires i mean i think it's a bigger challenge than just for sales right you see it a lot with all these organizational transformation things that go on i think it's harder for especially larger organizations to break down those silos and sales you know everybody looks at sales through that cliched lens right still even today um you still look at sales that way oh oh, those are sales guys don't don't worry about them it's kind of like don't feed the animals at the zoo, right? Just don't play with the sales guys. And, and I think it takes more, you know, sales leadership's got an, an upward management and, a, and kind of, you know, horizontal management challenge as well to drive that teamwork in order to create the environment that will reinforce that in his, in his or her sales organization and then, you know, generate the results that he's looking for. Yeah. And I, I think managers get really frustrated when the rep won't do that because, or they, the manager has to clean it up. And, you know, I've, I've been in that situation with reps where you have to get the job done for them internally. And that is part of the manager's job, sure. but it's not solely the manager's job. And I, and I think the real test of teamwork is how well salespeople work with the marketing team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because too often, I've said this myself, I've said I've given up on them, you know, and, you know, because they're just doing the wrong thing and they insist on doing it because they get uh, rewarded on the wrong thing. They get rewarded on the number of leads or contacts they get. And especially today, contacts are pretty much free. You know? <laughs> right. You know, five, ten years ago, you know, getting a list of, you know, valid contact information with names, emails, phone numbers, and a little bit of detail in the company was expensive and time consuming. Today, it's free. Uh, so the the marketing has a different role. What they want to do is attract people who are actively looking or could be a qualified prospect. And that's really hard, you know, because people don't need to convert the way they used to. You know, they can live without your ebook and going to your <laughs> webinar. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. I mean, if you look at it, like both sales and marketing, and I'm all right, maybe we're biased because we, we live and, and make our money in this market, but I think sales and marketing are both dealing with a speed of technological change combined with, you know, changes in buyer and you know, access to data and, and their buying habits that makes it really difficult as individuals to as individual organizations to be effective. So when we go back to that teamwork thing, if you can get sales and marketing on the same page, you have a much more powerful engine. It is not something I have seen consistently done though. And I, I wish I had the answer. I'd probably make, you know, make a million bucks and retire, but I, it's one of those things that I see people struggle with. And I think it starts with, like you said, the willingness, uh, from both sides to, you know, engage in a team-based approach. 
That's it. And it's mostly based off of rapport and reward system. And if the reward system is in, in place, meaning it's based off of, you know, real revenue, not uh, vanity metrics or counting contacts, then you have a chance. And and the salesperson's got to know what they really want. You just can't say, hey, I want people who want to buy in the next quarter. Well, that marketing can't do that. Right. You know, but they can set up, you know, webinars. They can set up partnerships. They can set up road trips. They can do, you know, account based advertising. They can sponsor things. They can get you in front of qualified people and and they've got budget. <laughs> they usually have more budget than sales. <laughs> you know, we're kind of constrained to a steak dinner and a flight. Right now. <laughs> yeah, and it better be a reasonably priced steak, or the CFO is going to want it, some answers. <laughs> we got to put a lot of names on it. <laughs> yeah. No, Joe Smith. Joe Smith was there with me. I swear, he was there. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. They they do have budget and. Uh, but they also have to know what they're doing, you know, because I, I've been with marketing people that they'll set up, you know, a breakfast at a trade show that really doesn't attract the right people, but they think it does. And, you know, they're more activity focused than than salespeople. And I think if you as a salesperson can kind of guide them into the right trade shows, the right activities um, to kind of explore it and work with them. Then, then, and then give them feedback on what is working. I think that, as a manager, I think people would love sales reps to do. Even if you've been in sales for decades, new technology, new buyers, and new dynamics create challenges your team may not be ready for. Value Prime Solutions enables you to focus on sales, on the prospects and customers, not the noise. And the sales framework you implement with them is simple, scalable, and proven. Check out valueprimesolutions.com and ask how they can help you beat your target. What was your next one? Um, I, I really, for me, uh, there's a lot of, I see a lot of, and I don't know if I would put this one in the top five, but it's one that keeps coming up is, uh, I, I've seen a lot of managers want to have their sales reps increase their business acumen, right? Especially in B2B sales, maybe not B2B and re, or B2C and retail. But when you look at, um, you know, the complexity of the sale today and being able to quantify value going back to, you know, being able to analyze a business and we're not talking, you know, hours and hours, we're talking about just be able to look at the, you know, financial statements if they're public and figure out if there's some financial health there or not, and then help your people build the internal business case, right? So that, that level of just general business acumen. And I think this could, I mean, you and I talked about specialization on, a, on another episode, and I think this becomes part of the challenge that we're seeing is they get more specialized salespeople get more specialized. There seems to be a lack of the macro understanding of how businesses work and how executives work. So when, you know, it's, this also helps with the selling and Internally, if your rep can come to you and say, "Hey, I'm working with company A, B, and C. They're trying to, you know, increase revenue by 20 percent. The person I'm talking to uh, is focused on this business issue, and it quantifies out based on, you know, efficiencies and costs like this." Your manager has a much better case to be explaining internally, right, and helping get marketing and sales on, on the same page because they're speaking the same language. Using that business acumen is kind of a core foundation, and I just don't see, um, I don't see a lot of reps focusing on that, maybe because it feels too, 
I don't know, maybe it doesn't feel heavy enough. Maybe it doesn't feel important enough. But that general level of business acumen is one that um, I've seen managers ask for. It's one of the things that we get the most calls on, right, uh, is how do I up-level um, my sales reps' business acumen so that they're just better in general at working with customers and understanding business and, and telling a consistent story. Yeah, I, I think that's a good one because – you know, in the bigger deals that I've done, when you bring your CEO in to talk to their CEO, you're like, wow, that's a very different conversation than I typically have. Right. <laughs> you know, because yeah. they are talking about market share, growth rate, uh, you know, income, uh, evaluation, market cap, competitive positioning. And I think it comes down to, you know, reps are really focused on, you know, how to beat the competition. Um, how to get the technical win. Uh, it's kind of, you know, internally, it's not natural. There's nothing really driving it. It's something that I think individuals have to want to learn about. And especially if you're in a, like a vertical, you know, if you have petroleum or finance or telecom or federal, if you don't know their vocabulary and what's hot and what they care about, then your conversations won't be very long. Not, yeah, they're really not going to be, especially when, you know, we, everybody talks about we, we need access to power or, you know, whatever sales methodology <laughs> it is, somebody's got a word for it, right? We need access yeah. to the power people, the people that are actually going to sign a check. Well, fact of the matter is they think differently. They're thinking yes. about the business. They're not thinking about your feature. They're not even, quite honestly, they're not even thinking about the problem you're trying to solve for your primary contact. Those power people, those executives, they're thinking about the business differently. And and I'm not saying you have to be a you know an MBA to figure it out. It doesn't. Again, it's not rocket science. It takes a little bit more of that focus and and you know determination that that we've talked about. But be able to understand how those executives and those power people think so you can have the credibility to have a conversation. You don't have to have all the answers, but you at least need to know what they're talking about when they say things like margins, right? And how those are calculated, or they're talking about market share, right? Or they're talking about, you know, um, entering a new market or a product portfolio, things like that. Um, if you're not able to, if you have that look on your face, like my dog does when I throw the ball the wrong way, right? Like TV. Yeah. The, the power people just aren't going to play. And so I think it's, it's really frustrating for, uh, that I've seen for sales managers when their reps just don't, they don't have that and they struggle with how to, how to get it, how to provide it. So, I mean, if reps are willing to take, again, be that willing learner, take a step towards educating themselves on how executives think, I think that'll go a long way with the managers. And again, with technology and the internet and, you know, all these data sources and even the free ones, there's no real excuse for not knowing that. Right. You, right. you know, even if the company's private, you can tell who funded them, who's on their board, oh, you know, what's their history, what are they writing about, you know, what's their view on certain things, what do they care about, you know, how do they compare against their competition, you know, on LinkedIn, you can see, you know, the number of employees, the growth, uh, where they're coming from, how long have they been there? You know, all of this stuff will give you an idea of what that person's going to care about. You know, if the person's only been there for six months, they're probably not going to want to make a big change. <laughs> right. <laughs> Or, you know, if it's a family business, you know, it's, you know, it's about, you know, their lifestyle and their legacy and you know, their reputation, things like that. You can very quickly learn about it. There's no you don't have to go to get a business degree. And 
it's really all you have to do is probably spend an hour before that big meeting. And when you do get in front of that powerful person that can sign the check or the economic buyer or whatever you want to call it, they don't care about you, your company, your product. And if you can't talk about something else, what they care about, uh, that conversation is not going to be very very long or very fruitful and it doesn't again it doesn't take it doesn't take a lot of time to figure figure most of the stuff out i mean i spent i did a reinforcement session with a client team yesterday and i in real time told them to give me a company name and they gave me a company name and in 17 minutes i had done the research knew what their you know financial health had been and showed them it doesn't take long it does not take long to do it now it might have back when all the data wasn't there i remember when we didn't have access to all this right there was a thing called the library that we had to go to <laughs> right and then, great place to spend the summer it, well yeah it was great but but now you can do it it's all right here at your fingertips i think the trick may be you know deciphering it deciphering what's important and i think that really comes down to focusing on how executives think and what's going to be important to them and just have that general that general business action yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I do a couple of episodes. I did one with a CEO when I asked him, you know, what does he care about as far as when a new sales rep approaches him and what does he care about when they're doing a large deal? And it wasn't anything about the product. It was about, you know, how's it going to impact the culture of the company? How's it going to impact productivity, uh, growth rate, competitiveness, um, and it's not just, you know, top line revenue and bottom line costs. That's a huge part of it. But everyone talks about it. you got to get deeper into it and start right. thinking about it. And, you know, even go up to your own CEO and just ask them, you know, what do you care about? You know, when some <laughs> <laughs> it amazes me. I, it was, that was funny. That came up yesterday. I'm like, you guys, look, you have access to a CEO. Your He's CEO, over there in the yeah. go ask him. What does he care about? Like, it's again, it's just not, it's not hard. And I think I wonder sometimes. I'm mean, this kind of non sequitur. I just wonder sometimes if all of this information and the different facets are becoming much clearer. Like we can see kind of the pieces of the puzzle, but the overall number of uh, pieces in the puzzle are getting uh, smaller and more complex because of all of the information now that people have access to. They don't know where to focus and what to work on first, right? So sales managers, when they're putting together a, an enablement plan for their teams, it's like, well, do I focus first on, you know, getting them product knowledge or business acumen? Or do I focus on, you know, uh, getting them to work with marketing? Or do I focus on, hey, this is our CRM and we're going to spend, you know, two weeks so you don't <laughs> screw up the data, right? It's just, I, I think it's getting to be a little bit more complex of a puzzle than it used to be. And, and I, I definitely know some sales managers that are struggling with that. Yeah. And I think as a rep, you got to say, look, you're going through U University, meaning that you are the dean. <laughs> you know, the, the Internet like <laughs> is your campus and your motivation, you know, is what's saving you the money to not go to that MBA school. And, you know, because the, the barrier, you don't have to find the big building with the pillars and the, the old guy and with a rope to learn from a smart person anymore. They're on YouTube. They're on podcasts. Right. They're on audible and you don't have to even pick up a book you just plug in your earbuds and you can learn everything you need to do it and the, i think the value of business acumen is that it's going to get you higher up in the org bigger deals faster deals more reliable deals exactly and that should be motivation enough i think 
Um, one other I had was internal champion. And I think this is really what I always thought the manager's job was. I always valued the manager who was my internal champion, not just championing me, but championing the right thing. You know, what product features do we need? What marketing campaigns should we have? What comp plans should look like? You know, how do we reduce the friction instead of, you know, making us constantly as reps adapt to the the system? And, you know, I've worked at, you know, I got acquired by a huge company and they were still using, you know, literally, you know, mainframe stuff with an HTML <laughs> interface, you know, COBOL programmers. <laughs> and you would, you, you would bring up the interface and I'd have some manager, oh, are you using Kex or Wax or Jaxes? And I'm like, what? And they send me a link and I go, I think it's loading, you know, and it's like, okay, go to column 73. You didn't fill that in. Oh, sorry. <laughs> That was three monitors away. I couldn't see 73. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and you, that's, you know, but everyone's kind of got to be that internal champ. You know, pick your battles. But, you know, getting the, the corporation to, you know, do the right thing is kind of everybody's responsibility instead of just everyone being a little soldier, you know, d continuing to do what isn't working. Well, and especially especially when you see, you know, organizations that are investing in. I, I've got one client who's doing a big organizational transformation initiative. It's basically to break down those silos that just kind of naturally happen. Well, the only way that works is if everybody involved, regardless of the the team you're on or the part of the org you're in, are focused on the overriding goals for the organization and are willing to listen as somebody else is telling you what they're trying to do and you have the patience to, to hear them, you got to hear them and then be able to turn around and champion what your team is doing in a way that hopefully they will understand. So it requires much more communication. And I can remember, man, when I first started running teams, I had people that wouldn't even, they just didn't want to talk to anybody else in the organization. Look, I filled out my forecast. I'm talking to you, boss. Yeah. I don't need, to, I don't need to talk to anybody else. I'm not going to mess with the marketing stuff. They don't get it. I don't have the time. I'm out here, you know, hitting the streets, pounding the pavement. And I, I think there, there has to be, especially as organizations grow, in order to be more cohesive. I think everybody has a responsibility to understand not just their role in the organization, but the whole as well. All right, everyone, that does it for this episode of the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. We appreciate you guys listening. Again, if you want a cup of coffee, stop by the website, b2brevexec.com. Fill out that feedback form. We'll end you guys in the drawing for the cups of coffee. Hopefully, we'll get to meet some of you in person. If you haven't had a chance yet, please go to iTunes or to Stitcher or whatever you're listening to this podcast in. Write us a review. We use those reviews to help us figure out which best guests and topics to cover on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure to work with Brian Burns and have you guys listening today. If you guys want to get in touch with us, please just shoot us an email at accelerate at valueprimesolutions.com. Send us your suggestions, comments, feedback. We're looking for all of it. We want to make sure the show is happy and healthy for you guys. So please uh, don't hesitate to reach out. And until next time, we have Value Prime Solutions. Wish you and yours nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.